for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 287 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Pauls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're coming at you on a day that's probably not Wednesday, but we're recording on a Wednesday. Feels like it's only a day or two earlier than we normally record, but it just seems so early. Like, I feel like I'm on top of my shit for the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. Like I'm like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on, I'm ahead, but like, getting all, things done, getting karate things. chopping the air, like it, like it. I don't know. It's like a fist pump. Yeah. Um. So we have a, a couple of interesting things to talk about with you guys this week, and then we've got some uh, voicemails and some emails, as we normally do. Um, maybe a, a couple of less since we're recording a day early, but I don't know. I'll have to dive in and see. What's doing in the email? Haven't even checked yet. Um, but before we jump into everything, uh, let me give you guys a little business. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. 50% better than whatever horrible memes your racist uncle is posting. <coughs> um, follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Uh, I have been streaming quite a bit lately. Over on the Twitch channel, had some friends stop by. Our buddy Kobe, Mr. 100, our buddy Archer, um, Emily Lind, Carl Fox, Jim. I've had some people stopping by and hanging out during the streams, and it's been a good time. So, uh, yeah, if you are interested, check that out. And if you can't make it to the Twitch streams, I've been archiving all of the streams over on the Blue Harvest YouTube page, which there will be a link for in the show notes, or you can just search for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast on YouTube. And besides that, if you're really into the podcast and you want to support us for as little as $3 a month, we have a Patreon where we post bonus shows to our exclusive RSS feed that you get access to when you become a member. And uh, that's at Blue Harvest, or well, that's at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast 
And you'll get shows like Oh No, It's Hall Solo, which I will be recording here in the next day or so to post up there. Cooking with Will, Todd Podula Rasa, Masters of Harvest Kasi, Star Wars Year by Podcast, Blue Harvest Adventures, Jaws, and so on and so forth. So uh, turn in, tune in, turn, tune in, turn out, tune, check it out. Patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And that's the business. So how has your week been, business. buddy? Um, It's been good. You know, I can't complain. So what were you, uh, what were you telling me before you got recording or before we started recording? Oh, it was about Boba Fett. Um, I was going to say what's interesting about the end, the finale of the Mandalorian and that mm-hmm. little clip, the book of Boba Fett is that, you know, from what we understand of Boba Fett, he's basically adhering to a code. Now, the code the whole time prior is the bounty, right? Like Boba Fett is on a hunt for the bounty, right? That like, we don't know much about his motivations until that moment. Like he's a bounty hunter and then he does something, you know, for Din Djarin because he owes him or whatever. <clears throat> and, you know, he made a, an agreement, uh, a deal. And then again, following a code, like showing up at Jabba's palace and just straight up murdering, um, Oh, what's his name? Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. Like, he did that because he wanted to. Like, yeah. he was not on a bounty or... Well, as far know, as we know, I mean, I'm sure we'll hard, get yeah. a lot more context once the show starts. Right. You know. But, but it, like, it's interesting to think that Boba Fett just showed up and was like, mm, you know what? This is mine. Yeah. Uh, nice head, I think I'll take it. And just, <laughs> Nice head, I think I'll take it. Uh, I think... Uh, I think there's going to be some fascinating insights into Boba Fett as a character in the book of Boba Fett. You would hope so, right? right. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like we did get some of that in The Mandalorian. And obviously part of it is because I'm <clears throat> such a big Boba Fett guy. But I found that stuff really cool, really interesting. And I'll be honest, I've seen several people like on social media and stuff be like, wow. Star Wars finally found a way to make me care about Boba Fett. So it seems like it resonated with more people than just, you know, me and, and other hardcore Boba fans, you know? The so, disciples of the Church of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. I read straight from the book of Boba. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the opportunity they have to expand on that and focus on him. Like, if they pull that off, then, like... It'll just be nice to not hear as much like, oh, Boba Fett is lame. Why do people like Boba Fett? Right. So, um, man, I got to say what a delight it was today to start randomly receiving (laughs) Godzilla and Ghostbusters related gifts from you. Um, I was driving, so I didn't get to look at them all until I pulled into the driveway at my house. And then I looked and I was like, what is all this? And you're like, uh, sorry, Liam wanted to send you all these pictures. And I was like, hey, man, I love them. Yeah, it was so great. We how were, did this go? Like, yeah, I, I want to know the backstory behind all these gifts. He was, I was in the living room. His mm-hmm. mama was off today. And she was in the bedroom working, doing something like folding clothes or something like that. And I was in the living room with the baby. And I get a text from her. And what it is, is it's him. He's found the little picture uh, function 
in the text in the text message screen and he's looking through all the gifts, you know, and he starts he starts sending me at first it was emojis. He was okay. sending me emojis and then it went to the gifts and he started sending me gifts and um it was just funny and sweet and then he came in there with me and he was like, I wanna look at I wanna look at the pictures and then so I pulled it up on my phone and we're looking through and uh, he was like, who can we send them to? I was like, let's send some to Haas. He's like, yeah, let's send them to Haas. Nice. And um, he's, I, I, I said, I bet he would like Ghostbusters and Godzilla. He was like, what? I bet he then let's send him those. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, I like Ghostbusters and Godzilla. Speaking of which, have you and has he seen the Kong versus Godzilla trailer? No, I haven't shown it to him now, and and I'll tell you why. Because, a little too intense, maybe. Okay, I you know I fully know. Okay, watching sixties, seventies Godzilla. Right. That's like that's like G. Watching nineties Godzilla's pushing PG PG thirteen in some spots. Right. Now and but the modern Godzilla that they made that's full on PG pushing R like. And I'm not, you know, I, I, anybody out there is going to go, oh, that's not even an R. But for a little kid, for a four-year-old, like, I can't, I can't really let him watch the legendary Buddy. Godzillas yet. Okay, that that totally makes sense. Because I tried, honestly, you know, I was like, you know, I can skip through the scary parts, and I tried with the second one, um, you know, Godzilla the, where King they of all monsters. Fight. Yeah, 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 where everybody fights, and I was like, he'll like this. But it got super scary. Like, he made it through the Mothra part in the beginning, but, like, as it got on to where they were unleashing King Ghidorah, it got, like, super scary, and it got super violent. There was a lot of gunplay. And I was like, you know what? Let's, let's yeah, watch a couple a, more a years. You know what I mean? Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's a little older, he'll be able to, under like, uh, uh, appreciate those more. I got to say, I am all in uh, on... Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, man. Like that trailer looked like a whole really lot of fun. I haven't even seen the trailer. I need to. You you do got to check it out. Now, the one thing I'll say seems like a bummer, and and I could be misinterpreting, and obviously it could be, you know, trailer misdirection. But it kind of seems like uh, Godzilla is going to be the villain. And buddy, I'm Team Godzilla all day. Right. You know what I mean? Fuck a King Kong. Yeah. I'm all about the kaiju, Godzilla. King of right. the Monsters, right? So, uh, I, I, I'm, I will be checking that out on HBO Max day one that it goes up. And that's normally me. I'll be honest. I like the nuance of Godzilla's beginning as the villain, the very in the very first one where he's like, right, the horrific villain. Like, and sometimes he goes back and forth, but uh, I like that about him. Sometimes, he, like, he's kind of a force of nature. Yeah, you, know, you could say he's a villain. And and if you want to, because you think he's sentient, yeah, but like he's almost a force of nature that just shows up and wrecks shit. Well, you know, it, it really does. Like you said, it depends on the portray. Portray. Pretend. Whoo. Maybe we should have recorded on Thursday. Uh, it portray, it, it, oh my. It's like portrayal. Yes, it depends on the portrayal. Of Godzilla, whether he's painted as a good guy or bad guy. As a kid, I was always more of a fan of Godzilla's the good guy. You know what I mean? Because I liked Godzilla so much, I wanted him to be the good guy. 
Now, I, you do bring up an interesting fact. This, this is something that, like, as I grew up, I didn't think it was weird. I just thought I had cool parents. But then when, you know, family members start having kids and my friends start having kids and I'm like, oh, Liam's four, huh? That's the age I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And, and like, here, like, knowing Liam at this age and knowing that at that age you were going to, you would sit him down and be like, you want to see a cool movie? Let me introduce you to Freddy Krueger, my friend. <laughs> you will not sleep for weeks, sir. <laughs> and just being like, like, like I said, growing up, I never thought it was weird. Even right. when I had friends in school that were like, your parents let you watch that? I've never seen one of those. And even when in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you got some clout. Like, you yeah. have cool clout because. No, no I did not. Not got... at the school I went to. I'm just saying, like. Um, or even in, in, like, kindergarten or first grade. I can't remember which one it was. We're like, you know, d during school, they give you a piece of construction paper and some crayons and you draw. And, right. like. I was drawing shit straight out of a horror movie. Like you would see this movie about this little kid in first grade drawing pictures of Freddy Krueger. And the teacher has to pull his parents into a meeting and be like, he's drawing some real disturbing stuff. That was me. And that's exactly what happened. My parents got like at the parent teacher meeting, like, you know, after the first month or school or whatever, the teacher pulled him aside and was like, uh, he draws Freddy Krueger a lot. And he was just talking about how you guys took him to see the fourth Freddy Krueger movie in the theaters. And my parents were like, yep, yep, that sure happened. What are you going to do? He's obsessed. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't long after becoming obsessed with Freddy that my dad started pushing Star Wars on me. I think that was a subtle, like, trying to push me into being into he something like, besides Freddy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But check this out. Yeah. And it worked, obviously. I don't do a Freddy Krueger podcast. Still love Freddy, but like, what the fuck would I talk about? Like, oh, oh welcome to episode 287 of uh, Green and Red Sweatshirt. Uh, ain't shit going on. We'll see you next week. You know, the remake, I, you know, I, I don't want to talk because I haven't seen it, but from what you've talked about it, just doesn't quite hit home. Like, you know, with that concept, you could have done something horrifying. You know, somebody that gets you in your dreams. Like, it doesn't have to be a shot-for-shot shot remake of. It just wasn't wasn't my just, bag. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> you were talking about um, how I just had a brain fart and forgot what I was going to say. Oh, you were talking about Boba Fett just a few minutes ago. Right. Well, we've got a little bit of a rumor floating around, and this comes from LRM Online, who, from what I understand, um, are fairly reliable when it comes to this sort of thing. Who the fuck knows anymore, though? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's two, you know what I mean. It's real you, close to each other. You know what I mean? You um, just end up reading it all, and you're like, mm, it'll be interesting to see if this is actually true. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, there's definitely sites that I know just not to engage with, like, where it's like, okay, okay, we're not going to check this out. It's on We Got This Covered, or whatever the fuck. Um, but... <laughs> we got us some online news. We got 
thebullshitcovered.com. <laughs> Bullshitalldayerryday.com. Uh, um, anyways, LRM is reporting that we are going to see some of the quote-unquote classic bounty hunters show up in the book of Boba Fett. Um, now, you know, had you said this to me 10 years ago or whatever, classic bounty hunters would have a different definition than it does presently, I think. Because to me, when I hear classic bounty hunters, I think of the lineup from Empire Strikes Back, Bosque, Dengar, those are your probably your two most likely, Forlom, Zuckus, IG-11, right? Right. <clears throat> um, so I, I would say out of that group, you know, Bosk and Dengar probably have the best chance, partially because people love Bosk, and partially Dengar's a bit of a meme. He's a bit of a meme boy, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a meme boy. Um, and, you know, I guess they could always bring IG-11 in. You know, we got IG-88 in the Mandalorian, maybe they bring back the OG IG droid. Um, but I also don't think this precludes the uh, possible inclusion of people like Imbo, who I would fucking love to see. Imbo is the guy from the Clone Wars that wears yeah. the sort of like Kung Lao looking hat. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Cad Bane. Cad Bane is going to be one. Cad Bane would be pretty fucking my, sweet. Yeah, I like that guy. <clears throat> and you know, if they um, if they do jump around in the timeline, there's always the chance that we see that storyline that wasn't finished in the Clone Wars about sort of Cad Bane and Boba Fett's standoff. Um, maybe I forget out. what. What is that? They have standoff, I assume. Yeah, and I can't. I don't know the full. Uh, details of the episode or the Clone Wars arc that wasn't finished. There's, you know, the unfinished. But that would be young Boba Fett, right? Yeah, uh, fairly young, and he, but he's wearing the armor. Um, so that you know, it's an adult, not adult, adult, because you got to think like, what the Clone Wars last like three years or something, three or five years. What's he like? Eight, nine, ten, maybe in. Yeah. Yeah, in Attack, Attack of, of the Clone. Clone. So he would probably be, you know, I don't know, 12 to 14. Um, but we, you know, we see him. We see young Boba Fett in Clone Wars several times. Right, right. But to me, this signifies at some point he was going to be wearing the armor. And very specifically, he and Cad Bane have sort of a, in this animatic, have sort of a, a Western standoff, like a duel. And yeah. uh, Boba kills Cad Bane. Cad Bane hits him in the helmet and causes the big dent in Boba Fett's helmet. Oh, wow. They explain how that, you know, the big uh, circular dent in Boba's helmet got there as being from Cad Bane. So, I guess, you know, there's always a chance that we see some version of that, whether it plays out in, you know, quote-unquote present day in the book of Boba Fett, or if it does jump around in the timeline, and we see, you know, different parts of his history. <clears throat> but regardless... I think this is pretty exciting news if it does pan out. Like, I'm all about seeing more of these guys show up. I could do without Simon Pegg playing Dengar. <laughs> is that that's, part of the rumor? Well, no, that's who played Dengar in the Clone Wars. Oh, right. So, I would, you know, prefer maybe they don't go that route if they're bringing Dengar in, but I guess we'll have to see. 
Dengar is kind of like a meathead, right? Um, he's definitely been betrayed that way. Betrayed. I did it again. Portrayed that way. Woo. Rough nights in the seas of Hall's brain tonight. Woo. Um, you know, some of those words sound similar. Uh, and then, you know, the sort of most current canon reference to Dengar that we have is post Return of the Jedi. He shows up in a couple of the interludes uh, in the Aftermath books. And they're sort of like, I don't, I can't really remember. Basically sort of fighting other um, bounty hunters. And there's like chaos in the bounty hunters guild and stuff going on after the fall of the Empire and stuff. So it's it's entirely possible that Dengar shows up post Return of the Jedi as well. <clears throat> but the big one for me. Since I'm normally, I would say IG 11 or IG 88. I might have to hit the reset button here. Boy, um, I would normally say IG 88, but since we already got IG 11 and he was so awesome, you know, I don't know that they need to bring him in. So, next in line for me is absolutely Bosk. That's the one I really want to see. Yeah, is my dude Bosk. Everybody wants to see the reptilian yeah. in the spacesuit. Yeah. So, um, did you ever know anybody that collected stamps? You know, I can't say that I did. I, I, I can't say that I collect them. I hoard them. If I am at the post office when I see a cool set, I'll buy. Like I bought some, um, I think like Monterey Pop Festival from like the 1960s. It was this awesome thing but it was like commemorating it was real mm-hmm. like hippie and tie-dye so I, I got the sheet of stamps while i was there getting my regular stamps nice my dad when i was a kid i remember he had a stamp collection and a coin collection he was he he hit the both of the wow my granddad collected coins seriously yeah like seriously and like he had binders you know what i mean for all his stamps and coins and i remember looking at him in the, as a kid and thinking like oh these are cool but like stamps really it's not like he had you know monterey pop stamps or uh, you know universal horror monster stamps he had like just regular ass stamps my dude like maybe from other countries and stuff my plan was to like when i write a letter to somebody you know to use those stamps like uh but i i don't find myself sitting down with the time to write letters i mostly just write the bills and put the old (laughs) The regular you know, ass forever stamp on there. Yeah. Yep, yep. Dearest associate, I write to you today from my podcasting desk. The air is brisk. A tornado just passed through the southeast last night, and damage was incredible. <laughs> just imagine you with a fucking. I hope you've been in good health. <laughs> yeah. Ma's been good the past couple months. <laughs> I imagine Having you writing this by <laughs> writing this by like oil lantern with a quill pen and like dipping it dipping it in um well speaking of stamps uh they announced this week that there is a new set of droid themed stamps coming this spring oh dude that's cool i'm gonna have to pick those up yeah uh, you know what i am too i I, i'm and i'm real big on patronizing the post office because they're having a hard time financially well, so every time you buy stamps, it helps the postal service. From what I un- from what I can remember, right? They've done Star Wars stamps before. The last time I remember, I think was around 
2007. It was right when I moved to Birmingham, and I yeah. got a sheet of those, and I still have it somewhere in my collection. Um, <clears throat> and those were sort of just a general collection of, like, Star Wars saga stamps. Like, you know, there yeah. was a Boba Fett and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but these are really cool. They're different droid themes, and they sort of span the entirety of Star Wars. So, you know, you get, you know, your R2 and your BB-8 and your C-3PO and your Gonk droid and your DO and your L3 and your uh, medical droid, your 2-1-B um, from the original trilogy. But then it's also going to include, you know, animated characters like Chopper and IG-88 from The Mandalorian. Right. Um, so, and I think they look pretty cool. Um, so I am, I'm all about getting a, a sheet of those when they come out. And they'll be like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to frame this. I'm going to put this in a frame and it's going to go up on the wall. And you know what? It's going to sit in a book, protected in, in the interior of a book, unframed for years. Just like that <laughs> first sheet of Star Wars stamps that I have that aren't framed, same thing will happen. Pray for it. I'm going to get better at correspondence and I'm going to get some Star Wars stamps and use them. Probably just going to send them to you okay. when I mail you things. But I'll mail you the occasional dirty Polaroid. Hey, hey. I mean, first I got to buy a Polaroid camera. It's my lucky day. Yeah, just, you know, <coughs> you know, make sure you open any mail from me. Just do me that favor, all right? For my eyes only. Yeah, it'll even say... For Will Witten's eyes only. Because that's not suspicious. That's definitely not going to lead to your wife opening the mail or, you know, even your, your postman. <laughs> Can you imagine? Your mailman is like, I know this is a federal crime and it goes against all ethics of my job, but I just got to see. And it's me, like, looking like the Rancor Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <clears throat> All right. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to, to discuss with you this week is interesting because I can't seemingly uh, track down the quote from the journalist that it's been attributed to. So, you know, what was it? A couple weeks ago, we talked about Ubisoft um, getting the license to making a, to make a uh, open world Star Wars game. Right. And, you know, we were talking about how we were excited about the possibilities of this opening up to so many other, po you know, potential studios to make more varied Star Wars video game experiences. Well, there's been a rumor going around pretty hardcore this week that there is a new Knights of the Old Republic game in development. And really? whether this is some sort of remake of the first one or, you know, a reboot of the franchise, hard to tell. The only thing that has been sort of specified is that it is not being done at EA or BioWare. BioWare, of course, is the original uh, developer of Knights of the Old Republic. <clears throat> so this is... Um, Definitely getting people excited and talking. One of the things that um, was attributed to a games journalist by the name of Jason Schreier, who, if someone had the inside info on this, it would be this guy. He's known for this sort of thing, right? Mm 
He was a writer for the website Kotaku before moving over to Bloomberg to cover video games, right? Right. And a, a quote that I've seen attributed to him that I can't find the source of. I looked through his Twitter. The dude tweets a lot, so maybe I just didn't go back far enough. Um, and I regularly listen to his video game podcast. So I listened to the most recent episodes, couldn't find any mention of it there, was that this was being spearheaded by a unexpected studio, right? Um, meaning that uh, maybe not someone that we are necessarily all that aware of. Okay. So it leads a lot of questions, you know. I'll be interested to see how true this turns out to be. Obviously, the Knights of the Old Republic franchise is so well-beloved and has such a big fan base that they'd be crazy not to let someone take a swing at it. And there were rumors a couple of years ago that EA was actually working on it and that they were trying to basically retool Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 and uh, retool it so it fit into, you know, the new canon stuff better, right? Right. But then nothing ever came of that, so who knows if that was even true. And like I said, it's if this uh, project is a real thing, it's not in development at EA or BioWare, so we'll see. Uh, this is one I'm, I'm excited and nervous for, because I do love those Knights of the Old Republic games, and I really like the Old Republic MMO it's just, it could be really good. It could be really bad if it gets messed up. You yeah. Know? Um, Again, one of the things for me, I'll be interested to see what the passive fight choreography and interaction is like with lightsabers, mm -hmm. um, as well as trying to use force powers at the same time. Does it feel like you're just standing up against somebody swinging a sword? as it can have a tendency to feel in some MMOs, or will it be more, I don't know, impressive, much than like a... Yeah, I know that's always been a bit of a sticking point for you with MMOs specifically. Specifically. But that is, I mean, that kind of comes with the territory of most MMOs. I've actually found it. that like more action-centric MMOs don't do it for me as much as the sort of like strategic. Really? I figured choosing. Final Fantasy had figured that kind of stuff out. So Final Fantasy 14 is an interesting mix as far as MMOs go, because at its core, it is running around engaging in combat with enemies and choosing abilities. And then your character automatically does those abilities, but right. it adds an extra tactical element of like chaining certain abilities together in a certain order and having to do like this ability to unlock this ability in the chain, which then um, unlocks two options on abilities. So it feels more frenetic and like uh, exciting in combat. Right. Then, you know, just sort of sitting there and clicking on all these abilities in a straight line, you know, in a row of abilities. Right. Like you have more tactical options and choices and stuff, but <laughs> there's no indication that Knights of the Old Republic, if it's being remade, remastered, whatever the hell's going on, 
is going to be an MMO. This is a remake of the original game from BioWare, not the oh, okay. not the MMO. So uh, it will be interesting if it's a just a straight up remake of the first game. Then I'll imagine it'll be just like that first game you played either on your original Xbox or your PC back in the day, with you know better graphics and things. I don't know why you would do that though, because that game's already been done. I mean, it's cool. I mean, I mean, I get it, updating it. But... Well, that's why you would do it. You do it to update the graphics, make it look it's super pretty and and stuff, and then I mean, I then... guess it is printing money. It is. You you would definitely have people to buy. It. I would buy it day one. I would be very excited. Be very excited for a reboot or a new entry in the series. I. Seriously doubt that we're looking at a Knights of the Old Republic three that would continue the story from those yeah. original games. I I feel because... that it's going to be one of two things. If I had to guess, it's going to be a remake with a retooled story to fit into canon more seamlessly. Right. Yeah. Or a reboot of the series from scratch, where you know. Revan could be a thing. Bastilashan could be a thing. I feel, yeah, yeah I, that's what I was going to say. Like, my gut feeling is that it'll be both a reboot and a remake. Yeah. Uh, but it will have Revan, Darth mm -hmm. Revan. It'll have Bastilashan. You know, like, and uh, that's, it might have the smart ass assassin droid. And that's really what stands out in my memory. Yeah. You know, the rest of it could be completely new. Like, and I would be amazed. You know, I remember you go to a dark side temple. I remember going to a on Korriban. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I would be excited for either option. I just don't see. I don't know why. And and I, you know, I am no great uh, prophet when it comes to the Star Wars video game stuff. Yeah. I can you know make some educated guesses. Um. But I just don't see them putting Knights of the Old Republic out with updated graphics and stuff and not redoing the story. And then, you know, a few years down the line, if they decide they want to do, you know, movies, TV shows, animated, whatever, in that era of Star Wars, then, you know, I, I would just see them sort of resetting it. Right. Um, which... You know, obviously it has was like five thousand years before Yavin, right? Yeah, it's quite a while. Um, obviously, you know, I don't know. It's a tricky situation because, to me, this seems like almost a no-win scenario. Where if you don't just remake the original game with spicier <laughs> graphics, you're going to piss people off, and if you I don't, I, you know what I mean? I, it seems like a tricky situation to get right, which I hope they do. Um, I won't lie. I'm a little bummed at the idea that BioWare is not involved. BioWare, for a long time, <clears throat> was my favorite video game developer. You know, the obviously, Knights of the Old Republic. I love Jade Empire, the sort of martial arts RPG they did on the original Xbox. Um, and then, of course, fucking Mass Effect and Dragon Age. And, but, that being said, the Bioware that made all those games is not the Bioware that is around today. So, maybe it's best for right. someone new.
to take a crack at it and uh, see what they can do. Because I would sure hate for it to be like a bummer. Absolutely. After so long without a new uh, Knights of the Old Republic game, man. <clears throat> but I guess we'll see. You know, I don't know um, how soon any kind of information about that will be out there, but before too long, we'll hear something, I'm sure. Yeah. I would hope. I think that's about it. Do you have any other uh, thoughts on a possible Knights of the Old Republic reemergence? I think it's a good idea. I do, too. I think... I think those characters are popular with the fan base. I think there's a lot of nostalgia mm -hmm. connected to it, which currently, you know, within the pop culture is gold. You know, I don't know when 80s and 90s nostalgia will become old. I guess when that generation passes, I don't know, you know, but I love it. I love it as long as it's here, you know, because that's how when I grew up, that's when I was born, you know. Right. I, you know, the thing is, like, I just hope. I just hope it's good. I don't want the fucking... Because as much as I love um, Knights of the Old Republic, man, sometimes... Peace and love, peace and love. The super <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic fandom can be the tiniest bit cringe to me. You know what I mean? Right, Where, right, right, right. So I just don't want to hear those jackasses. Oh. Well, um, I mean, it's a given. Anytime you do something, you're going to have haters. That's it's true. just a... So I, there is one other thing I wanted to bring up and that I thought maybe you would want to check out um, on the Star Wars YouTube channel today. In fact, they launched their High Republic show, right? Oh, that's cool. And I wanted to bring it up for a couple of reasons. First being, you know, if if you know you're way into the books and you want some more insight from the authors and even reveals of stuff that's, you know, to come, uh, you can check it out. And it's really cool. Or for someone like Will, who doesn't have the time to read the books, like I think it's a nice little primer. They don't obviously don't give everything away, but they definitely right. do a better job of uh, explaining things than I did last week. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I followed along pretty well. I thought the meme that someone sent you was hilarious. Oh yeah, I could probably play the music of it or the sounds. I got a couple. I got tagged in a couple of things. This week, where people were like, "This is this is what it was like when Halls explained the High Republic <laughs> to Will," and one of them was like a clip from Parks and Rec that Eric Struthers uh, tagged me in, and then someone tagged me in this and said, "This was me explaining the High Republic." Just drop in and just smack the lip, whoop, drop down, snap, and then after that, you just drop in, just ride the barrel and get pitted. So. Pit <laughs> made me laugh <clears throat> um but the other reason i wanted to bring this up is because okay so this show is being hosted by a lady by the name of christina ariel right and for some reason i'm still not even quite sure why she became the target of the fucking worst of the worst on the internet over the past week Really? So, like, yeah. And when I say worst of the worst, I mean, like, horrifically fucking racist shit, dude. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awful shit. And, you know, um, Star Wars, like, Star Wars on their social media account 
basically had to come out and be like, we stand with Christina. There was a I stand with Christina hashtag going around on social media. <clears throat> so the other reason why I wanted to bring it up is not only is it a really well-produced and, and insightful um, bit of High Republic content that I guess they're going to be doing on a weekly basis. But secondly, like, I think, you know, I think it would be a good idea for people to go at least check it out and toss a like on the video because there's some real fucking assholes out there, man. And that's not how I want Star Wars fandom to be. Like, why, 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 why does it got to be Star Wars fandom? I mean, it's every fandom, and we're doing right now at the moment what you have to do to combat that. I know. I only combat the negativity with positivity. I get that. So we try to. But it, it, I, and I get that, you know, there's assholes in every fandom, but it off, it seems awfully pervasive, pervasive. You're my fucking. Because the Star Wars tent is so large. Yeah, I know, man. But like, I just want it be better. Like, do whatever you got to do to fl- fucking flush these douchebags out. Like, shame we them, were, report videos, report tweets. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... We were raised in the South by families that expected us to perform to the best of our senses, you know, to a good upbringing, you know, be polite and courteous. And not everybody was raised that way. A lot of people don't give a shit about other people. They're selfish and greedy and self-centered and a lot of people are angry i mean really just angry and there's no reason for anybody to take that out on the internet there's no justification for it that's not me making an excuse for anybody how can you be oh i didn't think you were making an excuse for anybody how can you be this is the thing that gets me anytime this shit pops up and it pops up way too fucking often in star wars man but how can you be a fan of star wars and not understand the very the very fucking basic baseline message of star wars you know what i mean where it's like they're all connected by the living force right and and i just don't get it i don't get how you can and you know sometimes i think it's people looking for a fight assholes that are like oh, I'm going to go chime in on this and add my asshole two cents, you know? I, I don't know. And, and maybe that's given, like, Star Wars fandom too much credit as a whole because clearly there are assholes in the fandom, and I don't... I feel like most <clears throat> internet aggression comes from the stance of protectionism. Like, they're having something they're trying to protect. They're either trying to protect the quality or legitimacy of the forum or group or fan base and they're gatekeeping essentially trying to keep what their idea of good or pure or you know is the standard when sometimes it's not yeah and it's all shitty behavior right and i'm fucking sick of it man so i mean you know what I would suggest is if you see anybody being hateful online, you if can you see something, say something. Yeah, exactly. Can you, and you can report it, report it, block, mute, like do all of the normal things. Like it's just, uh, it's a bummer dude. And, uh, you know, hopefully 
what it leads to is people supporting um, this lady and her hosting job on the High Republic show. I watched the first episode and even had all this stuff not gone down, I would have thought she did a really good job. Uh, I do think she did a really good job. So, you know, don't, like, I don't want this to be what people think of when they think of Star Wars fans. You know what I mean? And like, I don't think that it is. I don't think these kind of people deserve some kind of place in the Star Wars fandom. If that also makes sense. <clears throat> All right. So, um, you want to do some voicemails and emails and then call it a night? Yes. All righty. I wish there were more to talk about, to be honest, Star Wars wise. Yeah, you know, we're going to have these occasional slow weeks. Of course um, we are. But, you know, I think slow weeks are a thing of the past after the end of this year. Like, Book of Boba Fett happens. Then we roll into Kenobi, Cassian, Mandalorian season three, so on and so forth. And uh, so I think it's just a matter of time. So anyways, let's uh, let's get it kicking. We'll, we'll we'll hear some from some friends of ours, friends and family. The only Jedi master who can crash box Giddy Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Surian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Giddy Cockhead So stroke his cone and suck on his balls Giddy Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi council stooge but he'll be pumping spooch tomorrow! Cockhead! Blue Herb! Cockhead! Harsberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! T&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! Alrighty, first up we have our buddy Josh who's called in before, I think maybe the last couple of times. Let's hear what he has to say. Hello there, Haas and Will. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, I got a couple things on my mind. This is Josh W., by the way. I got a couple things on my mind. Number one, um, something that's been bugging me about the Mandalorian. Uh, when the Razor Crest was blown up, Everything was destroyed except for that tiny uh, little ball that uh, Grogu liked to play with. But if that ball is indestructible, why don't they make the whole ship out of what they made that little ball out of? Um, second item is um, for Christmas, um, I got my family the Star Wars Outer Rim board game. Um, oh. and I've, uh, it's listed for ages 13 and up, uh, but I was able to play it with my 10 year old with no problem. Um, have you guys played outer rim? If so, what did you think of it? And just kind of overall, what are your favorite star Wars board games that you've played? Uh, hope you guys are doing well. I love the pod. Um, it's a joy to listen to, uh, and may the force be with you. Thanks buddy. 
Thank you, and we're glad that you are listening. So, <laughs> as far as that ball goes, I, I kind of just wonder if that ball just like rocketed out of the ship, and that's why it didn't get destroyed. Or maybe he's a badass and has a, um, what do you call it? What's his armor? Uh, fucking Beskar. Beskar. Maybe he's got a Beskar shifter knob. You know, well, you like, know what I was going to say is that, gruesomely enough, in many explosions, you know, those small projectile pieces survive. And that's right. what does the damage to other people. Um, I don't think that it was indestructible. Just my gut feel. I don't know that it's not, but my gut feel yeah. is that it's not, it's not made of Beskar or anything. That's probably the most logical explanation. Um, and why don't they, I mean, like, yeah, I guess you could, maybe you could make a, I don't know, man. I don't know that Beskar would uh, withstand um, a blast from an orbital cannon. <laughs> like the one that took out the Razor Crest. That's true. It's so, not indestructible. I mean, that spear did, but still. I think if if a human in Beskar armor got hit by that orbital cannon and it like didn't just vaporize them and the, the Beskar didn't get destroyed, like whoever's inside that ain't living. They're like a baked potato fucking if wrapped in tinfoil. It's nothing but armor. Yeah. That's all that's left. Just the armor. <laughs> Smoking. So, um, I got to say that outer rim board game he's talking about looks pretty fucking rad. I've never heard of that. It sounds cool. It's done by the company fantasy flight who I think has, I am familiar with fantasy flight, right? We, you played a couple of fantasy flight games with me back in the day. Descent is a final fantasy, a a fantasy flight game. They had like a call of Cthulhu one, didn't they? Like Mm -hmm. madness kind of, I think that's them. Arkham Horror or um, something. So I'm a big fan of Fantasy Flight in general. And when they got the Star Wars license, I was real stoked. And since they've had the license, I've checked out a few of their games. Um, the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter game. Maybe it's just called X-Wing. Uh, where you get like the little miniature X-Wings and TIE Fighters and all the different ships. And you do like dog battles. Um, I've got several of those. I've played that. It's a lot of fun. I played their Star Wars card game and Steve beat my ass in it a million times. Oh my goodness. But it was fun. And I also collected Star Wars Destiny for a little while, which was their sort of collectible card game, like, you know, randomized packs type deal. I got a buddy named Gray who collected this shit. Out yeah, of I used to talk about making card trades with Gray back in the day. <clears throat> um, Gray knows his shit, man. He's a professional gamer. Yeah, but uh, he, um, I think he ended up getting out of it, and then I think they canceled that line. I don't think they make new Destiny cards anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but I was a big fan of those. I really. I haven't played it yet, but I've got a lot of Star Wars Legion miniatures yeah. uh, that Fantasy Flight also makes. And that's basically, you know, Warhammer or Warhammer 40K, but Star Wars. Right. So, like, you know, you build and, you know, you put the miniatures together, you paint them, you have like squads and you duke it out. Empire versus um, Rebellion or Separatist versus Republic. Uh, and things like that. Super high quality miniatures. They look really cool. I just haven't had the time to sit down and paint these armies of miniatures I have. I need 
to figure out when I'm going to do that because they look so cool. Um, but that's pretty much it as far as my Star Wars board game experience goes. Like, I n- don't necessarily remember. Oh, actually, do you remember when Hero Clicks sort of first started kicking around and were Not a big really. deal? Hero Clicks were these randomized packs of miniatures you could buy. And I think there was four or five to a pack. And they had different licenses. So, like, Marvel and DC were the ones I remember seeing the most. So, like, you, it, it kind of worked like a pack of cards where you'd go buy a box of Hero Clicks and you would get a random assortment of miniatures. And, you know, you might get, like, you know, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, or you might get Black Suit Spider-Man, or you might get Cyclops, you know? Right. But around that time, and I can't remember, maybe it was even Wizards of the Coast. Somebody did a Star Wars miniatures game where you bought pre-painted Star Wars miniatures. Um, I kind of feel like it was around, like maybe in between episode two and three and into the sort of episode three era of Star Wars stuff. I have quite a few of those and I enjoyed that game quite a bit too. Oh yeah. Do you have any Star Wars board game um, experience? No, uh, none other than like Star Wars uh, Monopoly. Oh, bro. You know. Do you like Monopoly? I do, yeah. If I am playing with Monopoly, if you're playing with non-Monopoly players or people that don't want to see the game end, it can be tedious because... Yes, because it can go on for like eight hours. Yeah, yeah. I I have an affinity for Monopoly, and I'm pretty sure it's because of Star Wars Monopoly, because I have this very fond memory of getting Star Wars Monopoly from my grandparents the first year they did Star Wars Monopoly. And then, like, sitting down after Christmas dinner with my cousins, Brooke and Courtney, and, like, maybe my mom and my dad at my grandparents' house and playing Star Wars Monopoly and just thinking, it was so fucking cool, man. Oh, it's not, you know... Park Place, it's fucking Coruscant or whatever the hell it was, you know. Right, and, and I was gonna—that's what I was gonna say. The coolest part was all the different places, yeah, and like things that got name dropped. Yeah, and like I just, I have a soft spot for Monopoly, and the only thing that sucks is Jesse hates Monopoly. Oh she, really? Hey, it's maybe her least well, favorite know, board game. I know Jesse likes to win. Like I know she's very competitive. She is. Oh, speaking of cards and board games, right? So. I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast, but I was telling you a few weeks back that I have um, recently had the Magic the Gathering bug strike again. You did. You told me. For the first time since I was a kid in the Boy Scouts, I'm way into Magic the Gathering. I've got a bunch of, bought a bunch of, you know, physical cards. I put some decks together. Well, a couple weeks ago, Jesse and I started playing Magic the Gathering Arena on our laptops, which are is basically the online version, right? Right. It's free to play. You download it. Of course, there's like microtransactions where you can buy packs and cards and all that stuff. <clears throat> but we've been playing, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it would be fun to uh, record it, like record the footage with us playing and, you know, having a good time and... Uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, like I got her set up 
she's got a long history of playing that game Hearthstone. Uh, so she's got card game experience, right? Out the right. wazoo. But the even wazoo. still, I was like, I've been, I took up magic in 1994 when I was 11 or 12. There's right. no way I'm not going to be able to just like, I wasn't expecting myself to win every game, but I was like, it'll at least be even. Maybe I'll get one or two games here and there over her. Right. Buddy, she has been wiping the fucking floor with me. Really? I don't even know how to compete. I'm well, trying you know, different decks. Is Blizzard. Is Blizzard Wizards of the Coast? Are they the same company? No. No. Okay. Hearthstone is Blizzard looking at magic and going, oh, we should do the like online version of that. You know what I mean? Blizzard said, hey, I can do that. Watch she, I just summoned her like a fucking... Three three, yeah. I just summoned her like a three three two white drop. She just snuck up behind me, trying to scare me. She was trying to scare me, and you know, I got that. You know that feeling you get in the back of your head and neck when somebody's watching you. Yeah, I turn around and she's just smiling at me, creeping. She's ready to get. She was like, I heard him say the words "Magic the Gathering Arena," and I'm gonna sneak up on his ass and scare him. Need to remind him that I've been whoop, whoop, whooping that ass. Oh, yeah. She's she's coming to put me in my place again. Hum, humiliation. So if she any said, of you guys... Are you talking about losing at magic? <laughs> oh, did I hear the words losing at magic? Oh. Uh, if you guys are interested in seeing it go down, there's two videos on our YouTube page right now of me losing. Uh, a, maybe winning three games and losing uh, about 40. So, <clears throat> all right. Uh, next up, we have a voicemail from our buddy, Jim. Good evening, Hawes and Will. I uh, recently saw a video that showed a deleted scene from Phantom Menace where Anakin got in like a little fight with Greedo, which would have shown his anger at a young age, but uh, it was cut. But I had never seen or heard of that before. I wanted to know if you guys knew about it. And uh, a deleted scene from Attack of the Clones where uh, in the arena, Kia D led a charge against like some droids with some Jedi. And I guess it went poorly. And that's why he gets escorted back in the circle when they're like collecting the Jedi. And Kia D just sort of wanders in with no lightsaber. I always wondered, you know, that, that was a downside to him. You know, what happened there? But apparently there's more to the story. I wanted to know if you guys, uh, what you guys thought about that. But I wanted to say a little bit about the High Republic. Uh, I finished it and I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to emphasize how awesome I thought Porter was the cook. He's out there on that outpost uh, because he knows that, that people are always needing help and he starts helping out and riding on that steely and uh, he's pumping up his animal kind of Gandalf style and uh, he's saying, you know, you're, you're the light of the force and we are together, I am with you and communicating about through the force with the animal and then to Nahil uh, shoot him down, shoot the animal and when he gets off he says uh, that... Um, thank you for making this easy, you know, to decide on what to do with you. You know, you shoot this animal as an animal of light and throws his lightsaber, takes one out. Um, the other one shoots at him, 
before he can get his lightsaber back and bats it away. You know, I mean, he cut through a rock to cut that guy in half. <laughs> but also, I don't know. It just his first appearance as far as style and uh, I just can't wait to see live. That's a person I'm excited for. But all the characters are uh, are great. And I know it'll be a while, but all right. That's it, guys. Uh, ignite the green. Yeah, fucking Porter rules in the High Republic. <clears throat> the Light of the Jedi novel. Definitely a favorite of mine. Um, so the deleted scene he's talking about an Attack of the Clones. If I'm not mistaken, what happens is Kia D leads a bunch of other Jedi's onto a or a bunch of other Jedi, sorry, Jedi, onto um a droid control ship. So I think that whole scene takes place on like a droid control ship that they're fighting through to try and shut down for some reason. And then he ends up getting captured. I believe that's how it went. Um, you can see some really funny footage of him, <clears throat> uh, you know, Silas Carson all done up as Kia D uh fighting invisible people because it's you know they're in a giant blue screen room just doing lightsaber choreography against shit that's not there right um, it's pretty funny <coughs> and then yeah the the scene with anakin and greedo is pretty interesting because like uh i believe qui-gon pulls him off and says like oh don't worry with him he'll get get his one day or some shit like that something to that effect basically like a wink and a nod to being like oh you you guys remember what happened to greedo right, yeah, right. <clears throat> mcclunky shadowing shit McClunky. went <laughs> shit went bad for him shit went mcclunky and i remember leading into the phantom menace and i was all in on spoilers reading spoilers and stuff online and reading about this greedo scene and then going to see the movie and you know that other Rodian that hangs out with Anakin and his buddies? Uh, yeah. That's not Greedo. There was going to okay. be two young Rodians. But I left the theater being like, wow, that was young Greedo, I guess. He but was no, nice. I think, that's, I think that character's name is Wald. And I believe that's because um, it's Warwick Davis portraying the character, and all his characters start with a W. Oh, okay. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. <clears throat> Wicket, Wald, Wallavan, I think, is another one. All righty. All right, so we got one email, and then we'll call it a night. And this is from our buddy. I've been saving this because he said to save it for a slow week. Um, but this is from our buddy, Sean Hoffman. He said, I was wondering if you ever feel burned out as a content creator and Star Wars fan. If so, do you have any tips or tricks for managing the burnout? Thanks, Sean. Uh, I think this is an interesting question and sort of like a, a discussion topic. This idea of like burnout because it's 100% a thing. I definitely have experienced burnout both as like a quote unquote content creator and a Star Wars fan. Um. And to me, the as far as creating stuff goes, like the easiest way to management is to just take a little extra time for yourself. 
Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the week after the last Mando episode, we took that week off. I was having a rough week. And, like, it wasn't that we couldn't find the time to record. We had the time to record. But I just couldn't do it, man. Like, my, I didn't talk about it on the show, but my grandfather passed away, uh, like, the weekend Sorry about that. before. So, like, that and all the holiday craziness and just 2020 just did not have me in the mental state uh, where I wanted to try to jump on and be goofy about star Wars for an hour plus. So I took the week off and I think that's occasionally what you got to do. You know, like it's, it's all fun doing this sort of thing. It's a lot of fun and everybody needs a break. Exactly. You got to take care of yourself more than you need to take care of your content at the end of the day. Um, and as far as being like, a burnt out as a star Wars fan. I feel particularly lucky in that it's never the content of star Wars that has burned me out as much as it's being a fan of star Wars that I've gotten burned out occasionally. And the easiest way for me to combat that is to stay off of social media for a while. Like, yeah, because that can be toxic. It can't. And I mean, we're, we're talking about a situation, you know, just a few minutes ago about such a thing. And, you know, it's tough because, you know, you can get into this habit of like what they call doom scrolling or just seeking out the worst of the worst. And then on the other hand, you also want to do your best to combat the evil shit that people get up to online, you know? Right. And I think you just have to take that on a case by case basis. And, and once again, look out for yourself and your own mental health. Like there are days where I'm 100% gung ho on, you know, calling an asshole out for being racist or whatever shitty thing they're saying that day. And then there's other times where I'm like, man, if I do this, then it's just going to bring even more fucking crazies like obviously not related to star wars but god forbid you make the slightest Zack snyder joke on social media then you get the Zack snyder edgelords fucking putting on their fucking iron batman armor and coming after your ass why did you say his name swear to me snyder why did you say that name But, like, I think for each person, right, when it comes to burnout, um, and I would like to hear, I mean, this is actually something you are, like, more, way more educated than me on, buddy. But, like, I think when it comes to each individual person, you just kind of, kind of got to trust yourself and your own uh, self preservation i don't know what the word i'm looking for is like everybody's limit is different yes you know yes uh you just have to be mindful of what you're feeling and what your mind is telling you if you're burned out on something take a break yeah um because you've just had too much of whatever that one thing is and with star wars the cool thing about the fact that it has life again now 
is that there's always going to be something new coming your way. Mm -hmm. So even if you miss something in your content creation, you can always come back around to it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're worried about covering every little thing or, you know, that's what, that's what future episodes are for. And if you're burnt out, maybe take a break. Or, you know, if you've established a schedule for yourself that requires you to create content too frequently, it it won't be fun. Yeah. So my whole advice would be take breaks when you get burnt out and find the schedule that allows you to to let it still be fun. Because if it's not fun, then it's a job. Right. And I think content, whatever content anybody creates only benefits from the person enjoying doing what they're doing. And I like, we're almost 300 episodes into this. And like, I can tell you I'm way better at doing a podcast when I'm in a good mood and, you know, invested than when I'm like, well, I guess we got to crank out an episode this week. You know what I mean? And luckily that's not something with blue harvest that's happened all that often with me. I'm, I'm lucky in that regard, partially because at the end of the day, regardless of what, what star Wars stuff we're talking about, the new news, the, you know, anything it, at the end of the day, it is still what I set out for it to be, which was an excuse to hang out with you for an hour or two every week and shoot the shit mainly about right. star Wars. You know, I mean, that's what it is. Like, I look forward to talking with you, you know, chopping it up and talking shit and, you know, talking about everything. So that's part of what we, you know, that's part of what Blue Harvest is, is you and I catching up once a week. Right. And I think, you know, um, having like that as the basis of it, like that helps me not get burnt out. You know, there's definitely been things that haven't been enjoyable for me in the past and it doesn't and and I don't even mean in like the podcasting sphere I'm not a this is in not a great quality of me I fully admit this I'm not great at uh, at hiding my displeasure with certain situations you know what I mean so oh, yeah like, I know <laughs> and that's I, not news to me I know and it's not for lack of trying it is a literal roadblock in my brain. Um, And it's normally like person-based. It's normally being around a person that I'm not a fan of. Right. I'm not good at hiding it. So I do my best, and I do my best to keep an open mind. But sometimes, like, someone can get in my craw. Is that that the right word? Your craw? Oh, he got in my craw. craw. Yeah. I don't know, man. My vocabulary has been at a C minus. Well, that's not week. vocabulary. You're using old world language. I don't even know what a craw is. I don't either. I assume it's some sort of cap or head covering. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're about to find out if I can and figure Google, out. Google will tell us. The crop of a bird or insect? The stomach of a person or animal? How'd you spell it? C R A W. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. Is it a bug in your craw? Or a frog in your throat? A frog? Ribbit. Uh, okay. 
uh, got stuck in your craw. Like, you know, it, it, oh man, it really got stuck in my craw. What got really stuck. sticks in my craw is literally this phrase means stick in your throat. Okay. So, so. it was like when it was talking about a bird's <coughs> throat. Yeah. That's what it meant. Anyways, um, I think that's going to do it for us, buddy. Uh, thanks for taking the time to record with me. Thank you for taking the time to record with me. No problem, my dude. Look at us. Look at us done already. Eleven eighteen on a Wednesday evening. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. Ain't half bad. Uh, so if you guys uh, haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. Um, let me check. I haven't checked to see what we're at lately. 208 ratings. Not half bad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, leave us a review if you haven't already. And if you enjoy uh, our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. You can find them at on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Just quality rock and roll. Just good old rootin' tootin' rock and roll. Oh, now I got to look up the fucking definition of rootin' tootin'. Oh my goodness. What do you think it is, rootin' tootin'? Rootin' tootin'. I don't know, man. It seems like it would have to do with flatulence, but that just wouldn't seem old-timey, would it? Okay. Rootin' tootin'. Particularly vigorous, exciting, exhilarating, or successful. Used before a noun. Sometimes written with a comma instead of a hyphen. Rootin' tootin'. So, it's, yeah, it's just... It's vigorous, exciting, exhilarating, or successful rock and roll. That's what we're saying about that. Rootin' tootin'. I'm never... <laughs> seen this wordophile side of you before this, the Haws the dictionary well I'm I'm just looking this shit up it's not like I'm going through an index card in my brain to find out what this shit means but like it, it, these these weird sayings that you take for granted like rootin', rootin tootin' where the fuck did that come from rough and ready uh, anyways um, <laughs> that does it for this week. We'll see you next week where I'm sure we'll have a rootin' tootin' good time. Until then, I'm rootin' tootin' Halls Burkhart. <laughs> and I'm Will Witten. I'm rootin' tootin' Halls Burkhart. <laughs> and I'm fresh and fruity Will Witten. That'll do. May the force be with you. May it also be with you. May the force be with us. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>